Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Hattricks, baby! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City here on WXCI on 91.7 FM and streaming online at WXCI.org, live here from Western Connecticut State University. And by the way, if you can't make the rest of the show, don't worry, we have the rest on Spotify. We always archive our episodes, so you can find us on Hattrick City on Spotify. And if you're there, please give us a five-star rating. That'd be very much appreciated. And this is kind of like a new segment, like it's not new but we've we've come up with a name for it and uh call it the 10 minute misconduct i (laughs) I feel like it's a little you know it's a nice little nod and it'll give us time to really go through things before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show really the meat and potatoes of the show um pat let's talk a little bit about the hat tricks uh weekend against motor city they went into overtime and they came out winners both times friday and saturday night in fraser michigan against the rockers what'd you take away from the game i was watching on youtube and uh you know it looked like we grinded out you know both games as the road team and found a way to win uh, to come away with a fair amount of points i think it was another four point weekend on the road yeah i mean it was a nice one i didn't get to catch um too much of it i was working some null games here so by the time those games were done i was actually able to catch both of pretty much the overtimes of these games um they handled it really well um i will say in that first game there's a bit of a i think it was the first game yeah there's a bit of like a close call um with i think i think it was koozie that scored the the overtime winner on Friday night and I was like a really close one I thought we almost didn't have it that game but um you know they they played terrific and against a new team so they already they kind of got to know it a little bit um and then of course we go against Motor City here on the 9th and 10th of next month which is was it two weeks from this Friday I believe if I'm not mistaken because we're coming up on the 25th and 26th there but I mean overall the boys did their thing and I'm just eager for this week I mean the played in Binghamton yesterday by the time this comes out um, and then they play in Elmira tomorrow and they'll be back home against Carolina on Saturday which kind of ironic if you think about it you know it's like the Thanksgiving game and we get to against a bird team <laughs> you know it might be some fried bird this weekend in danbury um it was johnny ruiz who scored the overtime winner there on you Friday go night that's right he scored it both nights. in motor city um it was the it was on saturday that i think koozie scored the tying goal to make it go into overtime on saturday that's what i was thinking of he scored it on both nights though it was all you know the, these were two good games the motor city they again it didn't look like they had a ton of fans out there they had some but it, these were entertaining games. Kuznetsov did get the overtime winner on Saturday. Okay, so I was so – there we he go. Got it, he got things a little backwards. But, uh, you know, um, I think it was a, a another good showing by, by a team that's gone on the road. Um, 
And, and, and really capitalized off being a tough team that's clicking and playing together right now. They haven't lost in regulation. So hats off to really uh, Johnny Ruiz and, and the whole team um, really came up big. Yeah. I felt like uh, this was just another example uh, of um, kind of the synergy we're seeing this season. It was a real good outing by Brian Wilson uh, both nights. So I, I think that um, I think that this team is ready to go. Uh, we have a busy week. We will have played Binghamton by the time you hear this, uh, and we'll uh, we'll be playing Elmira in Elmira on Friday. Uh, again, it's an Elmira team that hasn't collected a win all season, uh, and then on Saturday, it will be a. Uh, uh, First visit from the Carolina Thunderbirds this season to Danbury Arena. Pat, what do you think we're going to see? Um, Friday night, I definitely think we're going to have a good night. I mean, we performed well against Elmira at home, so I imagine away shouldn't be any different considering how we've been performing on the road as of late. And, you know, with the return of Amesbury, it's going to be another thing. But I feel they're going to start him Saturday instead of Friday. Um you know, yeah, he may of, not go on the road with the holiday. Yeah, um, stuff like that. But I, I imagine um, Binghamton will be a just a bus trip to and from Binghamton on the day of the game. The Elmira trip's definitely an overnight, I would think. Yeah, and you'd have to get back here very early for uh, the meeting with the Thunderbirds. So it's going to be a lot of travel on these guys with the holiday kind of sandwiched in there basically so um we're also going to have uh kind of a night dedicated to one of our guests later on the show on yes. saturday night yeah. uh it'll be a night dedicated to the tiny miracles foundation uh it's a connecticut based uh i believe organization that deals with premature Correct. um births obviously some people who come down to the rink know uh it's a it's a issue that's very dear to billy mccreary as his daughter Isla was born premature and is now just, she's pretty much the life of Danbury Arena. It was great to have her in the studio for this episode, so that we're looking forward to that. Again, it's Saturday night against Carolina. It will be dedicated to the Tiny Miracles Foundation that uh, McCreary and his family work so closely with. Exactly. And, um, you know, I remember last season they did this, and it was crazy turnout uh, went really well uh, we played against port here on that night and i remember um i i feel bad for forgetting the player's name but there was a hundred dollars left to get to the goal this guy signs to me from his bench to to where i'm at in the penalty box i'll do the last hundred wow and he put it in sure enough and they got to the goal that night because of him and that was that was probably one of the coolest things i'd seen or classiest things even that I'd seen in the league. That's really yeah. awesome. And that was my first year in it too. So um, hopefully I see more classy things down the line. But I think that as of right now, that goes down as the classiest thing I've ever seen. Goes down, you know, goes to show you how hockey really does have the best community. And I, I've seen some of it myself. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Some of the people that, that get behind things. And uh, it's inspiring to kind of see uh, – people within the hockey community embracing different causes. Pat, you're going to be doing 
um, some AHL work in Bridgeport. Why don't you update us on how you know the Bridgeport Islanders and the Hartford Wolfpack are doing so far this season? Yeah. So um, by the time this comes out, I've just uh, what we call it worked the other night uh, against in a Hartford Bridgeport game at Bridgeport. Um, so far, Bridgeport is doing really well. Currently in the Atlantic Division, there they are nine three and three, and Hartford, no pun intended, at the bottom of the pack here, um, five five and four. That is combining the overtime losses and shootout losses, which they have one overtime loss and three shootout losses. Um, I mean, not too many scores on Hartford. Your biggest guy there, um, Andy Walensky, three goals, seven assists. As a minus six currently. Um, I mean, a lot of these guys, They some of these do have a, I think he's one of the few, actually, no, there's a lot of these guys have a minus. I was looking at the wrong thing. But, um, yeah, so far that, that team needs um, a lot of work as of late. And um, Bridgeport is doing pretty well, too. Not to say that, you know, they don't need any work or anything like that. I mean, these guys got some really up and rising uh stars there um um so they got stars like william dufour Aturatu, and so on but i mean overall in just a generic sense bridgeport's doing really well hartford needs to kind of figure out what they got going for them yeah definitely and then um just a couple of notes, you know, out there. We are, you know, Thursday nights we are on 91.7 WXCI in Danbury and streaming at WXCI.org, but we're now archiving shows on Spotify. Just a couple of quick notes for everybody. We have, just in the NHL, we have the New Jersey Devils on a hot streak. It's been fun to watch them. It's been fun to keep up with what they've been doing. Um Another thing is we've I've been kind of closely watching the Eric Carlson situation because I, I do believe that he's got some good time left. Even though it's a high price tag, uh, it only looks like Detroit is going to be able to sign him, but it, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. Pat and I are also working on going to one of the Islanders' Fisherman Jersey nights, so we'll give you a report and an update from there. Maybe we'll even talk to some people on the crowd and play it on the show. So if you're in Connecticut and you're going to one of those games, let us know. I think that is the whistle, folks, and that brings us to a close. One last thing before, you know, we head on to the locker room there. Um, Two minutes for roughing here because it's a, it's a rough <laughs> draft of this segment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, wanted to announce to the public that on December 14th. This is a public announcement now. Correct. Um, I've told a few people close to my circle, and so now the whole world will get to hear it. Um December 14th, I will be doing the public address announcing for the Bridgeport Islanders when they play the Springfield Thunderbirds. So um, I'm happy to be the backup there. And, you know, I thank my supervisor, Megan, uh, for giving me the opportunity to be the backup there and for giving me such a early chance, you know, early into my time with them. I've only been there for not even a month. So pretty excited. You know, you gained a lot of great experience doing it at uh, Danbury Ice Arena for the mm -hmm. Federal Hockey League, the NAHL, and it's, it's going to be nice to see you 
kind of go on to that next level, Pat. So congratulations yeah, call up. to you. This is really great. You know, it's like every everybody in the there's a lot of good stuff coming on. I've got a cool just a couple of things on the horizon for me. Yeah, yeah. I've got a cool article coming out in the December issue of Men's Journal magazine about um, uh, backyard hockey rinks, and I talked to Dom Alessandro, who's been one of our guests on the show. That's going to be in Men's Journal. Also, uh, I'm going to be doing, I can't say too much, but I'm definitely going to be doing some stories for Connecticut Magazine, at least one coming up about hockey later this winter, and I'll, uh, I'll update you guys on that. And Maybe me and Pat will do a kind of show dedicated to uh, the subject of that story. So it, it's going to be fun. I really appreciate everybody checking out um, what we're doing uh, on Hattrick City. So uh, this was great. Um, we have two really awesome guests coming up. We have Billy McCreary coming back and uh, just a fantastic uh, interview with Daniel Amesbury. And real quick, um, since this is our Thanksgiving episode want to ask what you were thankful for <laughs> i'm really thankful to to you pat for you know working with me to create this show it's just been it's been more fun than, than i uh than i thought we'd ever even have and i'm really thankful to the to some of the positive comments that have come in uh lee rocco has sent us some nice comments and uh, i know billy's enjoyed it and herm is uh herm's like the show and we've gotten some good feedback so it's it's great to hear that people are listening to this stuff. Um, we, we, I see actually some people that are from outside uh, kind of Danbury or new to the Danbury uh, kind of hockey scene. We're yeah. listening to it. Some guys that uh, came up for the Mustache Classic um, listened to a few episodes. So it's going to be exciting to get more of the players uh, on the show. So I'm thankful for that. What about you, Patrick? Um, same to you. I've been thankful for you know you taking me under your wing and really showing me more stuff that I didn't know about Danbury and really just, you know, kind of helping me get my foot off the ground with this and, you know, just making this one of the f most fun things I've ever done. Also thankful for, you know, my supportive family as well, my girlfriend. Um, and then all the opportunities I've been given so far, you know, in this awesome sport. And, um, you know, I just want that to keep going. I hope everybody's, you know, healthy and happy and is doing their thing. Yeah, so what is going to be great is when we take this show into other dimensions and kind of get uh, different guests on, you know, hopefully from the college hockey world. Maybe we can get some people involved with the AHL, but it's a Danbury hockey show. Yeah. And, you know, it's this is, uh, this is about the tradition of Danbury hockey, the show. And we're creating this so that um, I, I think this is something that we're creating not only for the fans, but also for the players, that, that we have something weekly that's covering the team i don't think the danbury hat tricks get the media attention that they could um especially with uh you know a daily newspaper in the city and then uh, a college here who could you know this college could probably create some great sports blog that covered the hat tricks and 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 that would give a lot of young uh, sports writers and sports communications people an opportunity to to learn from you know essentially hands-on training so uh, it's great to be doing this show with you. We hope we, we continue to grow it, and uh, we hope to maybe even see you guys out on the road. We're, we're, we're playing with this idea of doing a maybe a on-the-road meetup or something like that with, that, with, that, with the hat trick. So stay tuned. Very much. Stay tuned. Peace. This is Tommy T-Bone Pompicello, Danbury Trasher legend. You're listening to Hat Trick City Radio. 
on 91.7 WXCI. And always remember, hockey's a hell of a drug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to WXCI. This is your Hattrick City weekend lineup starting in college hockey with the Quinnipiac men's team as they play against Dartmouth in the Friendship Four, which will be played in Belfast, Ireland at 9 a.m. Eastern on Friday. The Bobcats play again the next day. The women's team plays against Bemidji State on Friday at home at 3 p.m. as part of the Nutmeg Classic. They play again Saturday as the Classic continues. For UConn, the men's team take on Cornell in the Frozen Apple at Madison Square Garden at 8 p.m. on Saturday. The women's team plays against Sacred Heart in Hamden for the Nutmeg Classic at 6 p.m. on Friday. They play once again Saturday as the Classic continues. For Sacred Heart's men's team, they play against Bentley for a two-game stint at home Friday at 4 p.m. and Saturday at 1 p.m. The women's team plays against UConn in Hamden for the Nutmeg Classic on Friday. They play again the next day as the Classic continues. For the Yale men's team, they play an exhibition game against the USA National Developmental Team at home at 4 p.m. on Sunday. The women's team head to Henderson, Nevada to play in the Henderson Collegiate Hockey Showcase. They face Boston University on Friday and play again on Saturday. Your WestCon Wolves will be off this weekend. However, they play again at home on December 2nd at 7 p.m. Currently, WestCon stands at 5th place in the Metropolitan Collegiate Hockey Conference with a 3-5 record. On Friday in pro hockey, the Hattricks play in Elmira at 7.30 p.m. The Bridgeport Islanders face Rochester on the road at 7.05 p.m. The Hartford Wolfpack host Hershey at 7 p.m. And the New York Islanders play the Columbus Blue Jackets on the road at 8 p.m. And the Jersey Devils travel up to Buffalo at 8 p.m. On Saturday, the Hattricks host Carolina at 7 p.m. The Hartford Wolfpack host Hershey for a second night at 7 p.m. The New York Islanders host the Flyers at 7.30 p.m. The New York Rangers host Edmonton at 1 p.m. And the New Jersey Devils host Washington at 7 p.m. And to conclude the schedule with Sunday, the Bridgeport Islanders host Springfield at 3 p.m. And this has been your Hattrick City Weekend Lineup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7 FM and streaming online at WXCI.org. Today, we are joined by two very special guests, Hattrick's head coach Billy McCreary and his daughter Isla. Thanks for having us, guys. Of course. These are probably the coolest. This is the coolest guest we've ever had. Oh, yeah. A 19-month-old. Um, you hear that, Isla? They've had some, uh, some big players here. She loves it. She, she's the best. Billy, uh, we see you have your daughter on your lap. We don't want to take up too much of your time because daddy duty calls. But take us through this past weekend's games in, in Motor City. You know what I mean? Tell, you, you ended up coming out with two games where you won in overtime. But take us through it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really good weekend for us. Um, we had we had some minor tweaks in our in our lineup with some roster changes, and um, so it you know anytime that happens, it, there's always an adjustment period. So you know, for us to go in there and, and take four four out of six points, you know, our goal was six out of six, but uh, you know, we'll definitely take four on the road, and was proud of the effort Hi. that the boys gave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy, what there's a little bit of we hate we do it so much we, we kind of 
play into a little bit of online speculation, but <clears throat> what can you tell us about the health of that, that expansion franchise? What did it look like there in terms of if you just looked around the arena, what did you get a feel for there? I think they're doing a great job. I, um, I actually know uh, a few of their owners personally, so it's it's nice to see them around. And, you know, I know how passionate they are about the product that they're putting out on the ice. And, you know, it's only been about three, four weeks for them. And, you know, they've, they've really put together a, a tremendous team there. And they're hard to play against. They've got a lot of skill, and it's a beautiful facility. And, uh, you know, the, the passion for the game is certainly there. So... Um, you know, it was, it was a great product on the ice, and it was great to be back in that facility. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to put some of my, what I assumed would have been useless hockey knowledge to use. I think one time you told me that you had a cousin who played with the Motor City team there in the UHL. Yeah, the mechanics, uh, Ricky Smith. Yep. Did, did you ever see a game there or hear about the environment? or? I heard about it just because it was during the lockout, um, but I... Were you in college then? I, I, I was going to say, I think it was in college then, so I wasn't too focused on the, the pro games, trying to figure out my own stuff. Um, but, yeah, Ricky played there, and I, I know uh, Chelios played there. They were teammates. Uh, I believe Hatcher played Draper there. Draper, too. Avery, uh, Sean Avery as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, you know, a few guys uh, played in that building, and uh, I know he, he, he spoke wonders about, you know, playing with those guys and, and certainly that experience that, that year, obviously very unique. So um, I, th I wanted to ask you, you know, I, I think one of the things that might make Motor City work is the, the – uh, availability of talent and the player pool in that area. I think we're in a unique situation here with Danbury because New England only has one team and the New York City area also, including New Jersey and Long Island, only has one team. So we're really pulling from a, a wide reach and, and we probably have the most available local guys uh, too. Do you think that th that's going to play into it? Like, you think there are a lot of good players out in Michigan that, that, that it could support a team like this? Yeah, there are, um, you know, but I, I don't know if, if they'll need to really, you know, rely on those guys either. Um, you know, there's such a deep player pool uh, now with COVID kind of behind us and two graduating classes of college athletes looking for homes. Um, you know, certainly I know they do have a little bit of a local flavor on their team. Um, you know, and there's, there's a ton of talent, uh, in that Michigan area, that's that's where I grew up. That's where I played my hockey, and uh, you know, it's what the kind of style of game that shaped shaped my my playing style. So you know, it's good gritty hockey players out there. That's for sure, and there's lots of them. And did your parents make it down both nights, or uh, they made it down Friday night, and then I think they actually had uh, they went and saw. A play, I believe, <laughs> on Saturday night that they had tickets booked for for a while. They missed a good game. Both, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. Yeah, did, they've seen enough hockey in their day. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> did your dad try and give you any advice or? No, it's funny. I actually asked if he wanted to get on the bench because I was I was the lone coach down there, and then uh, I thought about what I had asked him. And he immediately kind of just said, I'd love to be on the bench with you, but I'd love to spend some time in the stands with Isla. So Aww, it was the yeah. first game that he got to watch with her. So I know uh, it was a pretty special moment for both my parents and great to get the win. Something I think I may have asked you before kind of privately, but did, did you ever see your dad play or was he involved in any like Leafs alumni games later on? Or uh, I definitely saw him play. Um, we always had the the family hockey tournament that was up in northern Ontario and 
Really? Uh, yeah. So I I used to get uh, I had the pleasure of watching you know my grandfather's play, my dad play, my, all my uncles play, and both your grandfathers was, played. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, from my those are my earliest memories. From I don't know, I must have been ten, eleven, twelve years old, but. Uh, my dad was playing in the minors, you know, when I was a kid, but I don't really remember him, you know, in his competitive days, but definitely saw him playing in the family tournaments. And those are certainly very competitive. I, I think if you brought those to Danbury, you could sell a lot of tickets. I believe it, yeah. <laughs> Some skill in that bloodline for sure. Could You've been active again with the Tiny Miracles Foundation. I, I've kind of seen you, personally seen you grow this thing from an idea that you had, and now you're kind of, going to the next step with it recently you got a uh, kind of a video message sent from zach bogosian who's one of my favorite nhlers uh kind of directly to the hat tricks fan base i guess uh could you just tell us where, where you are again with the tiny miracles foundation i know we have a little night dedication coming up yeah so saturday's gonna be a, a dedicated night to the, the Tiny Miracles Foundation and, uh, you know, really all the, the NICU nurses, doctors, and, and all the families that, that go through the experience. And, um, yeah, I never would have, you know, th thought that this would ever be a thing in my life, but, um, you know, things get thrown your way and, and we try to use it to, to better our communities and, and create awareness. So, you know, when you have a uh, a guy like Zach Bogosian on the stage that he's on, um, you know, speaking towards that cause, it uh, certainly touches you near, near and dear to my heart for sure. So it's just an honor to, to kind of fight that battle for, for all the nurses, the doctors, all the families that, that, you know, have been there. And, you know, here in Danbury, we're not willing to, or we're not afraid of fighting a battle, so. Something I wanted to ask you about is you made a post, I guess, yesterday <clears throat> about toughness. And I wanted you to read it here on our show. So I said, toughness isn't just the willingness to shed the mitts. Discipline is tough. Commitment is tough. Controlling our emotions is tough. Overcoming adversity is tough. Being resilient is tough. Skills are great, but the toughness required in this game builds leaders. Billy, what inspired you to make that post what was kind of going through your mind as you typed that because I see you 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 often post things and this one really stuck with me uh I mean I try to be pretty careful with what I put you know on social media it's really just hockey and family and for me that's kind of one and the same and um you know I was just looking at that picture that 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 you know I posted and was thinking about all the, you know, the, the fights that those guys have been in and how tough they are and how the game has changed and it's become a more skilled game. And it's beautiful to see, you know, the, the evolution of the game. Um, I just hope that we don't lose that, that the toughness in the game that teaches, you know, the, the right qualities that instill, um, you know, leadership abilities in, in these kids, in these young men, and in the men that, that don the Hattricks jersey. And I'm a big believer in, you know, toughness and adversity and, and all that creates, you know, creates iron on, on the outside. And um, I just think it's important that we keep that and, and we don't lose it. Are you seeing some of the toughness and some of the grit maybe in the corners and in, and, and in different drill situations 
on this team this year, 22-23, that you know, maybe some people said wasn't there in the past? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we got a real tough team. Um, I think we're tough between the years. I, I think we're tough the way we play the game. I think we have tough individuals, but I think we're we're a tough team. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, I'm I'm proud of these guys. They 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 could certainly find ways to make excuses or you know drop drop a game here, drop a game there, but they just find a way to to keep being resilient, and they find a way to challenge themselves, and they find a way to have success, and they just do it together. And I, I really appreciate being a part of it it's it's an honor to be with those guys every day and it's it's an honor to be a part of the process now over the weekend i noticed with both games um leading into overtime there were kind of late goals that were allowed um do you feel that was a bit of a misstep for both nights i think it's a it's a welcome challenge um you know as a coach i i hate to drop the points i think we could have definitely gotten away with three points there game one um but I think we learned a lot in that moment too, and you know we were in a in a tight situation, which uh, you know to our guys' credit, they haven't been in that situation a lot this year. So, listen, we don't want to we don't want to have a perfect season. We want to go through all the challenges that everybody else is going to go through, and you know we need to be able to uh, put our best foot forward at the end of the year. So, uh, you know, proud of these guys and and the way that they they continue to respond, and you know it's going to be a challenging week ahead of us here. So. Uh, it'll be a good good task. One thing I wanted to say is you guys have amassed a really good record so far this season without a regulation loss. But just to talk hockey for a second, Coach, look at her. Uh-oh. She's getting comfortable. Yeah, she's she's ready. <laughs> just to talk hockey for a second, Coach, you know, uh, probably one area you'd probably like to improve upon is the power play. How do you do it? You've noticed? <laughs> just started watching hockey. I, I, you know, what I mean, like, I, just what can I tell you? You know. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I think it's honestly just a matter of. Um, Look, the question is, how has something like that worked on? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we just got to work on it in practice, and and that's all we can do. It's um, it's it's identifying things on video. I think we over overcomplicate things for ourselves at times. Um, we rely a little too heavily on our skill and we get too overconfident at times and you know it's a good thing that you don't want to walk back as a coach but you know you also have to to improve in areas and that's certainly an area that that we need to work on pretty packed schedule wise for the rabbits coming up um tomorrow night or basically tonight because i think we're going to release this a little early well can we with the because amesbury's thursday thing oh we might not be able to that's what I'm saying. So, but, but listen, you, you you know, you have Binghamton Wednesday night. You have Friday night. You're at Elmira, home Saturday against Carolina. There could be a call for a little old time hockey, especially against Binghamton and Carolina. What do you think is going to happen, Coach? I mean, I think it's just going to be another hockey game. To be honest with you, um, you know, I, I know that the moments that you're kind of referring to, but hockey players they have sh they have short memories and you know it's all about getting the points ahead of you so I mean every game is played with passion every game is played with emotion you know I'm sure there'll be some some physical play and at the end of the day we just need to make sure that we're scoring more than they are 
Um, do you feel that Carolina is going to be, um, let's say, a bit violent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, considering after you know the last two meetups with them on the road. I mean, listen. I think there's there's guys in the lineup that you know have roles and and will probably fill those roles for sure. Um, but again, I, I I think we I think we started Carolina's win streak, and you know my focus, our focus, just has to be ending it and continuing ours. We're gonna let you go after this one, Coach. But I think Amesbury's ready to go against. Elmira, is that Friday? Is he able to play Friday? Yeah. Uh, yeah, his last game is being served uh, tomorrow. Uh, against yeah. Binghamton. Yeah. How is he going to change your lineup a little bit when he comes back in? I mean, I I, I think guys know that he's on the ice now. Um, you know, they have an awareness of it, and, you know, certainly it gives some guys, you know, time and space out there, and, He's a tough player. He's a smart player, and you know he's played the game at some really high levels. So, you know he's been working his tail off here to get uh, get into shape, stay in shape, and you know really enhance his skill sets so he can be a major player of, of what we're doing here down the stretch. Very last thing, guy we've been trying to get on the show is Johnny Ruiz. I think he's played great as of late. Uh, what's your feeling on the season the captain's having so far? Yeah, he's starting to kind of settle into his groove, um, you know, which is good to see. And, you know, when Johnny feels comfortable, um, he, he's the biggest threat in the league uh, from anywhere on the ice, in, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, the, the more he gets going, you know, the better we are. And uh, it's great to see the, the success that he's finding here early. All right. And um, I believe that will do it for today's show. Thank you once again for coming in and giving us a little chat thank you guys and it was definitely nice to have isla in here today yeah say thank you isla hockey hockey Hi. you can say hockey you know that one haka haka all right <laughs> all right next show yeah, yeah. <laughs> next show she'll be the main yeah there you go <laughs> it'll be there all about her and our experiences can you give the boys a bye-bye no, you thought about and it. And one yeah. time, Daddy started screaming at the ref. <laughs> <laughs> this is Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to WXCI Danbury on FM at 91.7 and streaming online at WXCI.org. This is Hattrick City. I'm DJ Patty Cake, joined by DJ Uncle Matt, and we're here in the studio with a very, very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Daniel Amesbury. Daniel, how are we doing today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. A.K.A. Diamond Hands, A.K.A. Ames to Berry, A.K.A. the heavyweight champ of Ice Wars, and according to their system, the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in, in the Ice Wars organization led by A.J. Galante. Ames, it's great to get you on the show, have you here today. How have you been getting used to living here in Connecticut? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, like it's a little, obviously a little different than back home, but uh, the family's starting to get settled in and uh, everybody's been great. So that's super helpful. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to, uh, you know, be a part of the Danbury organization and get to train at AJ's gym and uh, meet all the great fans and stuff like that. It's been a really good experience so far. So what I wanted to ask you was, I think a lot of people first got an introduction to you through the Ice Wars uh, events, which have been really entertaining and, 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 You've been a big part of that, but I guess people probably 
probably know a little bit less about your hockey background. So when did you start playing? Where are you from? And what's the what's the evolution of your career? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I started playing as a kid. I'm from uh, <clears throat> just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, so the West Coast. Been playing since I was, you know, probably like four or five years old I started, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> played junior um, all the way through in BC. And then, uh, you know, I was pretty much went through a little bit different of a path. I kind of thought, you know, my junior days were over and I... Uh, I went to work and I was working on the oil rigs there and uh, and then one of my buddies called me and was like, hey man, I'm going to this tryout in Vermont, you should come with me. <laughs> uh, actually, his name's Anthony Collins, he plays in the East Coast so right Wait, now. now wait a minute, now you're talking, were you at the famous Vermont Wild tryout? Wow, yeah. this is this is like FHL history here. <laughs> yeah, let's go. so that's where I started. I started in Vermont, um, I had some money saved up, you know, so I was always buying beers and I was okay. I was having fun, right? We were all, but the team, they just wouldn't sign me. They were just kind of keeping me on the back burner because they knew, you know, that I was still going to be able to stick around because I had some money so I could hang out. You know, I was, I was pretty much just on vacation anyways. Wow. So we were hanging out with the boys, but they weren't putting me on the roster. So I'm living with the team. And, uh, and I'm kind of like, man, like, are these guys going to play me? Are these guys going to play me? And then finally Danville came into town. And uh, I was so hungry to play. I said, "Screw this! I'm going to sign with Danville and play against wow. uh, play against my my roommates, you know, because I just wanted to play." So, so that's pretty much what happened. I play. I signed. I was living in the house with all the Vermont teams still, but uh, that weekend I played for Danville, and I think I fought my roommate twice, <laughs> and uh, twice in the first game, and then uh, and then I think we fought again the next night, and I was still going back to sleep in their house, you know, at wow. night. So uh, that's kind of where it started, and then I just kind of hopped on the bus and went with Danville, and then finished up the back end of a twenty-day road trip with Danville. You had some crazy times on that on that road trip, from losing a coach, losing a bus driver, driving the bus, bus was on fire, <laughs> like you name it. It happened on that road trip. We blew slap shot right out of the water. This was one of the uh, Pat. A little before your time, this was one of the. <laughs> catastrophic failures of the federal hockey league the team lasted the vermont team lasted maybe about 10 games or something yeah. like that yeah. and there was a road trip in there right yeah and uh and they played they moved around they changed their name and moved around before the season started and they ended up at some rank where was the rank like no seating i don't know where they ended up but uh yeah i think the barn that like uh, the barn i was at wasn't very big you know yeah it was there any seating there yeah at all? not much was it at jay peak resort was i couldn't that, tell you yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you it's been years so ago now. but yeah. but yeah this team and they had some good players they had a former nhl draft pick what was that guy uh constantine comiclov yeah. or, or yeah i still have him on facebook actually but, yeah uh, he was a good player there's a couple nhl guys in the league at that time i think yeah who is in uh, someone Akasosni had a Pierre Dejeuner. Dejeuner. I remember somebody on my team slashed Dejeuner, and the next shift he goes out and shelves one from the from the red line, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Don't ever slash me again." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, he, leave that guy alone." I've told this story once already on the show, but I'll tell it again for you. At the Aviator Center in Brooklyn, I saw Dejeuner with three guys on him in front of the goal, one hand on the stick. Put so like basically four guys he had to beat, one hand on the stick right into the net, like yeah. like it was yeah, like it was something he'd done a thousand times. Yeah. It was it was really amazing. So you played 
just looks like about eight games there in Danville. And then, then what happened? You moved on to Columbus, and you were a part of that organization for a while. Huh? Yeah, so I ended up getting – it was funny because I ended up getting back from the road trip. I remember calling my dad the one night. I was still in Danville. I had got back to the house, and, you know, it, it was – Living situation, culture shock, I guess. I call my dad. I'm like, Dad, I think I might go back to the pipeline. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think I'm made for this. And he's like, don't worry, don't worry. You're going to get called up. You're going to get called up. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll put in, you know, a couple more weeks here or whatever. And then the next day, my dad phones me and he goes, hey, he's like, somebody called the house looking for you. His name's Brad Prefontaine. He's, he's with some team in Columbus. So I'm thinking, like, right away, I'm like, Columbus, Ohio? Like, who's in Columbus? And I'm like, <laughs> looking quite. up Columbus, Ohio? I'm like, not seeing any teams in Columbus. Not, definitely not the Blue Jackets. So... So then uh, I found out there's a team in Columbus, Georgia. So I end up calling Brad Prefontaine, this guy that called the house looking for me. And uh, he's like, yeah, we want to call you up and bring you down to Columbus. And I told some of the guys on Danville and they're like, Columbus, like, that's the best place to play in the SP. Like, you know, like, congrats. So I was on the next flight to Columbus and, uh, and then I get down there and I think we we're, you know, we get to practice or whatever. And I, you know, I go out there and they're like, all right, all the D go down here and all the forwards go down here. Well, I played defense my whole life, you know, all through junior, I was a D man. And, uh, and so I go line up with the D <laughs> and I see Jerome, boom, boom, Bouchard, the coach, head coach and Preef, they kind of look at each other and like, Hey, Amesbury, what are you doing over there? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm a D man. And they kind of like, Oh shit. Whoa. So they all go have a little powwow, you know, and they go talk to each other and they're like, all right, well, you're a forward. Now you're a winger. So get up here. And I'm like, Oh no, like uh -oh. I'm getting called up to a higher lease. It'll get me a little bit faster. I've never played forward in my life. Wow. I'm already, you know, so I was like, all right. And then uh, actually my first game, I think I had two goals. And then I think I finished the year with four. <laughs> yeah, five. That year, five right? goals, yeah, yeah. So I got two of them in the first game. So, uh, but yeah, I was in Columbus for, you know, uh, pretty much my my first few years of my career, I was back and forth. And it's interesting you say that because it, I, I said to Pat before that it does look like Columbus does a good job in this league too with their team. It looks like Jerome Bubu Mashar is the coach, but also just the presentation they're putting together, the job they're doing. How did you find it when you were down there? Yeah, it was really professional down there. Like the players are really well taken care of, very well organized. There's always gear if you needed it, like whatever it was. I think, I think you know they've kind of worked their way down in leagues. So I think their standard was a bit higher because they came from a higher league, and then as they came down, they, their standard didn't really change. But from what I've seen, so it was always really professional. They always took care of their guys, and uh, you know the thing is, when you get that, you get you know the team kind of rallies a lot more when they when they feel a little bit more respected and they feel like they're getting taken care of well everybody seems to click better so we ended up winning a championship that year and really yeah and it all paid off so awesome i didn't even know that i didn't even know you yeah know. yeah what year was that that was 12 2012 I yeah think, wow yeah. so you played another while in columbus the next season you got called up to the old central league which eventually merged with the echl um but just looking, just looking over your elite prospects, what was it like playing in the CHL? You must have been a young guy, too, in Denver in 2014. What was it like then? Yeah, it was crazy. So I think my first year in the Central would have been the year before Denver. I was in uh, at Tulsa, mm -hmm. and that year was during the NHL lockout. So that year was, like, definitely a lot, a lot faster. Players. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy going from the SB to, like, during the NHL lockout going to the Central. There's a lot of AHL guys, and there's even some NHL guys, Alex Martinez, who just won a Stanley Cup. You know, we were playing against him, and, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So I played that year, and then I decided to go back to Columbus. And then uh, I ended up right away pretty much just getting called up again back to the Central. So then I went to Denver. I think I was maybe 22 or I was, I was young. Single, and right? uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> single. And it was, you know, we're in Denver, great city. We live right downtown. 
Um, I was, you know, par- partying with the Colorado Avalanche probably two nights a week. <laughs> so awesome. if they were in town, I was probably with them. So, uh, so it was a really cool experience hanging out with them. We'd go to this bar called The Spill. It was right across from the Pepsi Center. <laughs> so, you know, McGinn would leave me tickets or whoever would leave me tickets. I'd go watch the game and then we'd go across to The Spill and, uh, and have drinks or whatever and party it up. So yeah, it was a good life down there and, you know, I could walk home. So it was always good, but uh, the league was the league was good. Like I say, it was the Central League. It was a little grittier than the Coast, I'd say. A little bit more of a grittier style of play, but the skill was there. So I'd say the same skill. What I guess that was 2014. What what made you kind of hang it up at that point? You were still a very young guy, even by minor league standards. Yeah. So I like I had some personal stuff going on back home that I pretty much had to take care of. So um, I had the decision where it was basically. I had to go home and it wasn't really up to me it was kind of just had to had to do it had to get it done so I went home I manned up and I dealt with it and then um in that in doing that it kind of just led me into this path where you know I had lacrosse back home there's not really much competitive hockey where I'm at but there's competitive box lacrosse which is indoor lacrosse it's a Canadian lacrosse so then uh, I had the opportunity to play lacrosse and continue lacrosse career in the meantime and still be in my hometown and and be able to go to work and stuff like that so then kind of that's kind of how I um spent my last years in between my hockey career I guess you'd say is I was pretty much just playing box lacrosse in the in the meantime, you know, I not know too much. There's a pretty hockey. high level league in Canada. Is it like, is it like the World Series of? Lacrosse? Yeah, so like in Canada, there's so there's Senior A lacrosse, which is what I play, and it's like the highest summer lacrosse you can play. So, pretty much most of my like a lot of the guys that play in the National Lacrosse League, like most of those guys play in my senior league in box lacrosse. So like it's a little bit more watered down because there's a lot more teams in our senior league than there is in the National Lacrosse League. But you get all those, I'd say 90% of the National Lacrosse League players, maybe even higher, play in our senior league. So it's pretty good lacrosse. Um, you know, there's decent money floating around to play. So it's like, you know, it's decent for a little side side gig and you can still go to work on Monday to Friday and, and play on the weekends. So you get lots of firefighters and stuff like that that are doing it. So How, did you ever consider trying to go to the National Lacrosse League, that tryout type of thing? Or? So it's funny because this season I had two contract offers in the NLL. One was in Halifax. Well, I'm not necessarily contract offers, but tryout PTOs. Yeah. Uh, so one was in Halifax and then one was in uh, Fort Worth. I think the, what do they call them? I can't remember their team name there, but uh, yeah, one was in Texas. I think Panther City is what they're called. Mm. And uh, so though I had two different teams reaching out to me, but uh, you know, on it to be honest, I really was feeling the Ice Wars thing, and I see the opportunity in Ice Wars. So um, playing hockey was really my main my main goal, my main priority. Getting back into the game, getting on the ice, um, skating more because I just wanted to step my Ice Wars up. And just keep pushing that sport as much as I can. So I figured playing hockey actively would be the best way for me to do that. And then the opportunity, of course, with being in the city of Danbury where I got AJ here, um, that was a huge selling point for me as well. So I kind of pretty much passed up on my first opportunity to play uh, like legit NLL lacrosse this year. Uh, and I chose to come to Danbury. Wow. So. I, I actually years ago went to a NLL game in uh, Philly. Right around the time of the old wing bowl, they used to have this crazy wing eating contest in Philly. And I, it's a long story, but I was down. And man, like, it's an exciting game. The ball's moving really fast. Like, I, you know, you watch field lacrosse, and it, my cousin plays and he played in college, and he was actually going to play for this Albany team that, that exists now in the NLL. But, you know, it's just. 
it just seems like such a slower game on the yeah. open field. But when it's like you, soccer kind of, right? Yeah. But then you get it in the hockey rink yeah. size field, yeah. and it's intense. Like, the ball moves hard, and yeah. you know, and it's just like, do you, like, I almost feel like Danbury would be a great place to do indoor uh, lacrosse. Yeah, I think it'd be sweet. Like, I think it's our, it's growing a lot in the States right now, box lacrosse. Like, I know, like, you know, there's teams in New York and stuff in the NLL, but, like, I know it's starting to kind of trickle down or whatever. But, yeah, it'd be awesome to see box lacrosse come to Danbury, even if it was just the younger kids or whatever. Like, there's the thing is, you've you got the players. Like, the players are here. There's skilled lacrosse players all over the place in this area. So, you know, just teaching them. The game's not much much different. It's, I, um, for me, I found it, like, the transition. I haven't played field, but, I mean – Box lacrosse was similar, I guess, to – I guess you could honestly compare it to basketball as far as positioning and, like, setting picks and doing pick and rolls, very similar plays and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, but, like, I mean, as far as obviously the guys that play field have the stick skill and they can figure out the game. There's lots of good look, uh, field lacrosse players that play box. So. And what's funny about saying um, bringing lacrosse to Danbury, um, Connecticut actually had a team, like, not too long ago. Um, they went and they became, moved to Philly, right? No, they moved to Albany. Okay. Um yeah, the New England Black Wolves. I kind of remember them like vaguely. They were that playing they, at Mohegan. Yeah, so they know, played at Mohegan, it's and it was a weird like crowd that goes there. I think for sports, you know, what I mean, it's, I think it's the hardest. It, it's more, of, yeah, it's more of a basketball crowd there. But um, I think I think Dan Barry would get down with them. I think that'd be great. That'd be sweet. Because yeah. I've seen these highlights that they allow them to fight too. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of like that's kind of what got me in. You know, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like I started when I was, you know, I was done. It was it would have been my last year of junior lacrosse. Like I'd never played lacrosse in my life, and I get a phone call from a junior A team. They were num- ranked number two in the in in North or number two in Canada, and uh, I ended up getting a call from the coach, and he says, "Hey." Uh, you know, I got your phone number from my friend. Uh, I was wondering if you're interested in playing any lacrosse. Yeah. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, lacrosse. Like, and I remember my buddy told me, he's like, this guy's going to call you. He's going to ask you if you want to play. He's like, just tell him you used to play lacrosse when you were a kid. So I'm like, all right. So I end up just basically BSing my way onto this team. I'm like, yeah, I used to play. Like, I literally held a stick a few times, but like, <laughs> never played a game in my life. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I used to play when I was younger. He's like, okay, like, tryouts for this day. Like, we want to see you come out. And so I go to this lacrosse trout, and these guys are good. Like, this is Junior A, uh, New Westminster Salmon Boys. It's like a Canada. Everybody knows this team in Canadian lacrosse. And so I'm running around in tryouts, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just j- basically chasing the ball around like a little kid playing soccer. Hey, you want to fight? Hey, you want to fight? Like, I need to show <laughs> coach I can fight. Will someone fight me? And I, nobody on the other team will fight me. So then I, I look at my team. I'm like, hey. Or I'm, I'm like on the bench and the other team, we were all kind of, I'm like, Hey, will anybody fight me? Like, can somebody <laughs> fight me? And then the guy on the other team goes, Hey, that, that guy on your team, Patty Spencer will probably fight you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, perfect. So I switched jerseys and went on to the other team. <laughs> and then I went out and fought my teammate just so I could at least show that the team I can fight. Right. That's and awesome. then, uh, and then I started picking up the sport pretty quick, honestly, like, uh, uh, as far as playing defense, I didn't really have to handle the ball much. So it's same idea as hockey as a defenseman, you know, you're pushing the guy, you know, pushing them, you're either pushing them down, out, yeah. you're pushing them down from the top or you're pushing them, you know, up from this is, it's, uh, it was pretty easy to figure it out. And uh, honestly, I, I don't really watch basketball when my coaches like go watch basketball, like just watch them, how they defend and how they're, how they're running plays. So started doing that. And then I picked it up pretty good. And at the end of the year, I think I'd played 13 games in my life. I got drafted 11th overall. 
Wow. So it went pretty well, and then I continued a career doing that for till now, pretty much. You know, did I you make a, a little money doing summer. it up there? Yeah, yeah, it was all right. And then uh, I played. I only played a couple games this summer, and uh, had some issues and with the league, as usual. And then ended up <laughs> coming to Danbury and issues with the league again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so tell us what you you mentioned a little before. Um, it's, it's always interesting for me to see the process of a professional athlete. You said you, you skated more and you focused. What did you do to prepare to come back to pro hockey after almost eight eight years, maybe? Yeah, it was pretty crazy because, like, like I say, it's, you know, it's even when I first got down here, it was like overwhelming at first. I'm like, oh man, like this is quick. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna take me a bit, you know. So and and not to mention, it's a totally different game that I left. Right, like I left a lot more meat and potatoes game. It's oh, such yeah. a skilled game now. Everybody can dangle and everybody can move well. And and so yeah, so I I did lots of skates this summer. I had lots of good junior pro guys to skate with. I had um, I had a couple of skates. Guys were just like, hey, anytime you want to come skate, come skate. And so I had lots of free ice and stuff. Lots of people supporting me. And so yeah, I just got on the ice as much as I can this summer. And I was lucky enough with the ice wars and how it worked out that. Um, I was already in shape as far as cardio and stuff like that. And I was already skating a lot to train for ice wars. So it kind of worked out like after the last ice wars, I was just doing more puck handling stuff. Whereas, you know, before ice wars, I was just kind of skating and, and kind of getting the cardio and stuff like that. So it worked out well, um, as far as my timing, but I did lots of, lots of skating and stuff this summer, more than, more than I'm normal, normally doing. So AJ had told me, um, kind of, a through some conversations and some meetings we had that you were. You know, you were one of the guys who took the Ice Wars thing and ran with it the most in terms of engaging whatever, your fans and your sponsors and stuff. Could you just take us through when you heard about it and to where you are now, basically just kind of like what was your process once you heard about it? Yeah, so like for me, like I was – as soon as I heard about it, I was training. Like I hadn't – nobody said I was in it. Nobody was – I wasn't – contract wasn't signed yet, but I was getting ready for it. Like literally from the day I discovered that this was going to be a sport, I was like, okay, like I don't know how I'm going to get my foot in the door, but I'm going to get my foot in the door and I'm going to dominate. Like this is built for me, you know. So um, I started training right away. Uh, I was trying to put on weight right away because I knew it was going to be a little bit more of an open weight class. And then uh, finally I signed and it was like, you know, the day I signed, it was basically like two or three a days, like pretty crazy schedule. Um, and uh, to be honest, I had like so many people coming up in my town supporting me. Like I had in between my hockey career, like when my hockey career ended and then I had a few years just like um, – there's something that happens when you when you when you're playing a sport and you have a team full of guys and then you got you kind of forced into a retirement. There's something that happens psychologically. It's not like it's it's hard to get through cuz you don't have your support system of a team beside you and and you know you you have no direction. There's so many different things you can do like um, I was lucky enough to um, be in touch with like Scott Parker and his wife Francesca Parker and their whole family DJ and them and they were so helpful when I was kind of I was in a bad spot I was depressed I, I think wanted the name the of that organization is Parker's Platoon Parker's right? Platoon yeah. yeah so so Parker's Platoon they were doing they're helping veterans they still do helping veterans and a lot of pro athletes when they're retired and and they get kind of lost they're like I had a team around me I had the boys around me now I don't have it anymore and then I have a million options of what I'm gonna do and you get kind of lost so they were able to help me identify what my issue was and why I was depressed and why I was struggling and you know why I was going down the road I was going down because it was a, it was a bad path and so I went down this path and I ended up lucky enough correcting it and, and started making headway and then now I have a, a beautiful family and everything's gone in the right direction so I think like I got a lot of support 
um, when this ice horse thing came and people started to see like I'm making a comeback, you know, they seen that I was kind of already making that, but this was like, this was now an opportunity for me to show everybody like, Hey, I'm back. I got my shit. I got it. I got it together now. Um, and I wanted to basically show everybody else that they can come back too. And that was my whole intention from day one since the first Ice Wars is I want to inspire other people to turn their life around like I did because I could have been dead. I could have been in jail. Who knows where I would have been. But but all I know is now I'm, I'm in a spot where I just got to continue this to keep inspiring people. And I know I got so much support from biz, small businesses and friends and family from around my hometown just because they seen where I came from and they seen what I was doing and how hard I was working. I was posting my videos every day. Um, you know, I was training like, like nobody's trained before. I've never trained like that before. And so people seen this and I think they were just like, I want to help this guy. I want to support. So I had just support in every direction. I was covered in sponsors. So. Just to be, just to be clear to the listeners, Danny, you you overcame some personal obstacles to kind of, to kind of get back to where you are now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I had some pretty crazy, uh, things that I had to deal with back home and it basically led me into a point of, um, of yeah just uh it was a decision that i had to make it was either you know i had lost some people really close to me and i kind of looked around and i remember hearing this saying and it was show me the five closest people to and i'll show you your future and i had just lost three of them mm. three of my five closest so when, when that when I, I something just clicked the one day and i was like i'm i'm dead like if i continue this i kind of looked around i'm like well show me your five closest friend i'll show you your future well i just lost three of them so uh, I'm pretty sure I know what my future is unless I change something up. And that was when I just switched things up and I had, a, I had my first son on the way and it was just ever since then been making headway and all, there's always bumps in the road and, and, you know, sometimes it's two step forwards, one step back, but continuing that progress and continuing to move forward is what uh, means the most to me. And like I said, everything that's happened, I feel like is just a, it's a gift now for me and an opportunity for me to continue on, uh, hopefully inspiring people to do what I did. Cause, cause like I said, it could have been a bad bad it could have been a bad in a bad place right now so what i want to ask you is <clears throat> what's your feeling on ice wars itself just kind of from the competition standpoint and then kind of from the opponents that you faced like how do you feel about the way it's set up right now and you know the guys that you face so far yeah so i think it's really good i think uh i think i really set the standard right away with like having to show up in shape um, like the tournament that I fought in, I think it was a pretty decent caliber of fighters in it. Like a lot of guys that I had fought before and that were professional players and stuff like that. Um, I think guys just didn't come in and, and didn't know what to expect and didn't train as hard as they probably should wish they would have now. Um, but I think the caliber is good and I think it's just going to keep improving, you know, as the sport grows and it gets more eyes on it and now there's more money in it. Like I, I know there's going to be a higher caliber uh, fighter is just going to keep coming but i'm uh i'm really happy i'm excited about it and i'm excited about where it's going and i know like we're just on the brink you know especially with everything aj's got going on promotion wise and everything he's got going on with the trashers and stuff like i know that this is going to pop off it's only a matter of time so we're kind of just waiting um you know hopefully there's going to be an event coming up soon and uh yeah like i think like i said i think the first ice wars was great good show i think the second ice wars was even better i think the caliber of fighting was better i think all the fighters came in shape and ready to to bang and, and go that because it's a long time it's not a, a hockey fights i think like a normal hockey fight was what like 30 seconds 20 30 yeah. seconds if that 
you know, that's probably a decent length one. Um, whereas these were going one minute, one minute rounds for, you know, two or three rounds, depending on what kind of fight it is. So, um, it's a lot. And, and when you're fighting in a tournament, you got to do it three times in one night. So, um, I think the standard is set the last tournament, like the last one, the last event they did, I fought in the main event, but the, the fights were good. Everyone was in shape. Yeah. Like the first four fights and that, like, if you haven't seen ice wars two, you got to go watch it. Like I watched it again the other day and I couldn't believe how good, like the first four fights. I'm just like, ah, like shaking <laughs> in my seat. I was like ready to fight. I'm like, who wants to fight? Like, let's go. Like the, yeah, I, was I was fired up, man. Yeah. I was here with a buddy of mine. We watched it. We grabbed some Chinese food from like down the street. And we watched that. Um, forgot which fight it was but this guy just he knocked the fuck out of him right like 30 away. seconds yeah. it was it was done within yeah. the first day you step the on second it, one was yeah really i think it was bo uh bo or no 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 it was uh justice smoke yes yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah justice he's a beauty yeah he i think he, he's a lefty too and he dropped that guy hard like right away the first four fights there was like one guy's face was completely banged up yeah that one guy got knocked out like it was unreal i was so fired up like like i said i watched it the other day in the room with some of the guys yeah. uh, on my team my hockey team and uh we were all jumping off our seats and like i'd see i've seen it like i've seen it live those <laughs> those first four fights and i was like let's watch this again like have you guys seen it They're like no i was like okay we gotta watch it and those first four fights everybody's glued to their seat like there's no better way to start a show than having four fights like that because everybody's on the edge of their seats it's so amazing and then i also want to ask then that first ice wars how was it getting used to that ice because it was synthetic ice yeah. and i know it was a problem for a lot of people yeah, too yeah. Yeah, it was different, right? Like, uh, I don't like. I think I fell down probably like five times in the first fight. Like, yeah. I just kept falling over, kept falling over. But to be honest, I don't think it was the ice per, for me, anyways. Like, I think I was just falling because it's like it had been since 2014 since I had a yeah. real hockey fight. So I was just kind of like getting my bearings back. To be honest, I thought the ice was great. In, in yeah. as far as what I expected, like I was pretty bummed out when I signed and when I first found out it was synthetic ice. I was like. Well, that sucks, you know? <laughs> and, like, honestly, I think everybody kind of thought the same way. Like, I guess we'll do it, but it's, yeah. like, kind of a bummer, you know? Like, I've never been on, like, a good synthetic ice before. Yeah, exactly. And then when we got there, it was all brand new. Like, I went out on it, and I was like, whoa, this is pretty good. Like, it was fast. Like, you know, normal synthetic is so slow that if you just lean on your toes a little – you have to almost skate on your heels yeah. on synthetic because if you lean on your toes a little bit, you'll just fall on your face because it's too slow. It's slower than what you're used to. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I didn't think, like, the first time I was on it, it was way better than I expected. And I was like, okay, I can I can mess with this. And then also, too, like, once you actually get a hold of the guy and you're kind of holding each other up, I don't really notice it too much. So it's like, you know, I think maybe I'm getting used to it now. But uh, I don't I don't think it makes a huge difference. I think, uh, I mean, real ice would be better, obviously. But uh, for what it is, like, Ice Wars is a growing sport. So... We need to do it in smaller venues right now. Yeah. You can't really find a smaller venue with real ice. So there's no real way to do that yet until we grow into it. So really, it's just up to the fans, you know. As soon as we get the support where we can go in an arena with three or 4,000 people, maybe we do an Ice Wars here. That's, you know, like that's, that's been a, a hot perfect topic venue too. right there. Is Danbury right there, Arena you know? would be a perfect venue. It would, right? Yeah. And the, you know you got the fan base for it here too. It'd be great. Exactly. So uh, I think that's probably in the cards at some point, you know. But uh, that's what I would like to see. That's for sure what I'd like to see is start going into into bigger venues and be able to be able to go places where we can do it on real ice. It'd be awesome. I think it's safe now to bring up something that Danny you already shared with us, but I, I just want to I'm going to let you say it because it's it's a big moment for you. It'll be a big moment for Danbury. 
Uh, tell us what's going to happen. So, yeah, so uh, we haven't really announced it yet, so this is pretty much it. So uh, AJ and I have been kind of in the works a little bit. Well, AJ, I'm just kind of the the uh, whatever, the, the product. But uh, AJ's got a deal with Barstool Sports. So uh, I'm going to be fighting on December 9th in Rough and Rowdy. So uh, I think it's in Rhode Island, so it should be a pretty good time. Um, really looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, I don't know who totally who I'm fighting yet, but um, it's going to be a good one for sure. So for our listeners who might not be totally familiar with Rough and Rowdy is Barstool Sports, which does a bunch of different blogs and, and podcasts and tons of other media. Obviously, people know the pizza eating, uh, pizza eating meter uh, that Dave uh, Portnoy does, but Rough and Rowdy is an old school kind of tough man competition. With I think how many ounce gloves do they wear? Do you know, I'm not sure. I'm hoping I think they look maybe a little 10? bigger. Yeah, uh, I don't know. No? maybe big bigger. Yeah, fourteen or yeah. something. Yeah, no. I think they're a little bigger yeah. gloves, but it's it's basically for amateur tough guys who want to come in. And and what qualifies uh, Daniel Amesbury as an amateur is that he's never had a sanctioned professional combat sport match, boxing, MMA. Not that we know of. Uh, Just the Ice Wars, which isn't really in the class of it. So right. I'm able to I'm able to slide in as an amateur because I have zero boxing experience here or whatever. So. Something I want to ask you is, well, you know, obviously, obviously playing hockey, you get really into hockey fights, even if you even if you never had a real hockey fight in your life like me. But were you an UFC guy or WWE guy? What were you into as a kid? Or uh, like I watched a little bit of wrestling and stuff as a kid, but like I don't even know like. Honestly, as a kid, like, I didn't really watch a ton of, like, I watched a little bit of hockey if my dad was watching it, but I've never, even to this day, like, I don't follow tons of sports, which is so crazy. I tell people that, they're like, what? What do you mean? That's crazy. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing with your time? But yeah, like, even as a kid, like, I'd follow, you know, a little bit of wrestling. Like, I've always, I actually remember watching Pride when I was yes, young. Sure. We'd go to my uncle's house and he had this little black box. And like, <laughs> you, you, I don't even know, I think these things were illegal, but it was like, it was like a way to like steal pay-per-view or something like that. And my uncle oh, had yep. this black box and me and my dad would go over to his house and we'd watch Pride fighting. This was like, I don't know, man, how old would I have been? It was probably late 90s, early yeah, 2000s. Early, like, early I was 2000s. pretty probably too young to be watching Pride and watching people get their heads caved in. But, but yeah, I remember well, watching who Pride. you become today. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so I was watching Pride, like, pretty young. And, like, I've always been interested in combat sports. But, like, to be honest, it was kind of just, like, a culture thing where I'm from. Like, my hometown was, like, pretty tough. And it was, like, a Friday night thing. You know, you go to the junior hockey game. You go outside. You fight someone from the other high school. And you go back in. And everybody drinks beers. And that was, like, a, that was, like great eight routine around wow. my uh around my school my uh Just my like, hometown it was like the only thing to do on a friday saturday night was go out and, and you'd fight some guy and have a beer or whatever it was you consider <laughs> yourself a canucks fan or uh not really. really like i don't like i say i don't i, don't, I couldn't even couldn't even really pick a team in the nhl right now which oh. is pretty weird i guess but as a yeah. professional hockey player but like i'll watch games and i'm like happy to watch games i'm really trying to get a team like i need to like find a team no connection but, to the uh, canucks though like even as a kid i watched them i watched them when i was young like you know like obviously yeah, in the neighborhood everybody watched the canucks and stuff and there was one i remember my buddy's dad across the street was a huge dallas stars fan so we'd always <laughs> heckle so him and we'd always yeah like we'd always i don't know he was i think he loved mike medano so it was like but that, all I remember is we'd always give him a hard time about Dallas, <laughs> and uh, 
And uh, yeah, so but yeah, like I mean, back in the day when you got like Pavel Bure, Kirk McLean, like Went those the days. Finals were, in 94, yeah, those yeah. were like the days. Like it was so sick. And then back 2011, then. right? Yeah, 2011, 2011 we had a well. run. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, win. like uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I I I like. I think the last team I was really rallying behind probably was the Flyers, and that was. Uh, Probably, I think when I was like kind of good on hockey was after Carcillo was gone on the Flyers and wow. the game started softening up, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not gonna watch it. Wow, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I used to watch and be like, oh, maybe there's gonna be a fight. Now it's like a, I don't want to watch 20 games to see one fight. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but but specifically, you coming to Danbury to play hockey. Tell us how it all evolved. Obviously, you had the introduction to Danbury and the fans through Ice Wars, but when does it become? start to become an option for you to come here to play hockey yeah so it was like a big thing like it was a joke conversation between me and my woman at first you know i was kind of like oh like what if i play hockey this year you know <laughs> and that's kind of how it all started really because at the end of the day like i'm gonna bring my family out here so it's like it's not really just up to me it's not really up to me at all honestly it's it's up to mom right like is what's she gonna do for our kids is, is she gonna is she gonna uh be okay with getting up and moving because it's a big deal right so uh, I kind of brought it up to her as a joke at first. And then, you know, I started, I had every team, I swear every team in the league called me. Really? Um, so it kind of narrowed down to a few teams. And then, you know, I was always leaning towards Danbury because of obviously AJ was here. And that was like the biggest thing for me. The biggest, biggest selling point to me was just a, being here with AJ and having the opportunity, like if something comes up, we can promote, you know, two hour drive. Now I'm doing him. rough and rowdy. So it's like, it worked yeah. out perfect, you know? So, uh, but yeah, the conversation started getting more real and more real and more real. And then, and then I kind of just, it got for a serious conversation. I'm like, Hey, like, are you I talking to Jamie? I say, hey, are you okay to move across the country with the kids? Yeah. and start over and maybe not necessarily start over but like you know take a couple years to adventure a little bit and see where it takes us and then you know we got a little bit of a time limit that seems to kind of get stretched out every week longer <laughs> and longer it started out with just one fight at ice wars and then it was just a tournament at ice wars and then well i won so now i gotta keep fighting so <laughs> and now it's kind of like well i can't stop till i lose you know so so now it's kind of keeps getting stretched out but um, i'm lucky to have uh such a good woman supporting me and my kids and stuff have been so durable through this whole thing and moving to a new place and obviously we're starting fresh so yeah it was uh it started out like i said as kind of like a joking conversation that just as time went on it developed uh, to develop some seriousness and then now here we are in in uh, another country across <laughs> all the way across i think there's a 48 hour drive to get here good so. family bonding experience. yeah exactly yeah, family yeah, building totally. yeah totally yeah danny you know take us through the first two games here you know what i mean you, you've only had a little bit of action What's been your impression of the fans, the league, and, and everything? The fans are the fans here are unreal. Like that was like the first thing I noticed. Like I was like, oh man, like it's like what I heard of. You know, I heard, everybody's like, well, the fans are good, but like, man, like the fans here, they're savages. Number one, <laughs> number one, absolute <laughs> savages. You know, like, uh, but yeah, um, as far as like the game and stuff, like I'm, it's pretty pretty bummed out. I, I've missed so many games so far, but uh, I'm excited to get back this upcoming weekend. But um, yeah, like the experience here in Danbury's been great. Fans have been amazing. The team's unreal. Like we're like, you know, I've won championships. Uh, I've won in lacrosse. I've won in hockey, and uh, I really I'm an energy guy, so I feel energy, and I feel like that's a very important key to winning 
in life in general. How's your energy? Is your energy good energy? Is it bad energy? Bad energy brings on more bad energy. So you got to try and keep yourself in the right, in the good place, and then good good vibrations come. When I came here, the first thing I noticed was the energy of the room. It was good. Like it was like this is championship energy. Like I know I've I've been there, and I've also been on teams that are like the most stacked teams. You know, my lacrosse team. It's like not my, not this year, but I've been 